Bible tonight. Let's open up to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38, and I've told you many times, I, I know I have, probably too many, but it doesn't get old. You guys remember that story about the man who was walking that journey of life, a man just like us, and he's going on that trail. Remember what happened is he fell over the cliff, and as he's sliding down the cliff, he, he hangs onto a branch, he latches onto a branch, and he's just dangling there in the air, man. And he's thinking, man, I don't want to fall because that might be my doom. And so he just is hanging onto this branch and he's screaming, you know, help, help, anyone up there, help. Until finally he hears a voice and he says, hello, I'm up here. And the man's all, thank God, I need help. I'm here hanging on the cliff. Uh, I'm just, man, dangling in the air. Uh, can you help me? And, and, and the voice says, yes. And he's all, who are you? And, and the guy's all, God. And the man's dangling on there on the side of the cliff. And he says, it's God. I mean, that's an answer to prayer. I mean, I, that's the one that I want to answer me is God. I knew it. Here I am in this crazy life and death situation, and it's God. And so the man's like, well, what do you want me to do? And God says, let go. And the man's dangling off the side of the cliff, and he's like, let go. What do you mean, let go? He's like, let go. Trust me. Let go. Trust me. And the man's there dangling on the side of the cliff. He's holding on to the branch until he, he finally says, is there anyone else up there? <laughs> and you know, to me, I've always loved that story because a lot of times God is telling us to let go and trust him, and we won't. You know, let go. You're like, Manny, what do you mean let go? Uh, you mean let go and let God? Yeah. A little bit like that. I don't want to sound weird or anything, but sometimes we get in the way of the work that God wants to do because we won't let go of the fear. We won't let go of the way that we were belittled all our life and they told us as we were growing up that you will never amount to anything and somewhere along the line we believed them. God said, let go of that lie. Let go of the sin. Let go of the foolishness. Let go of the resistant heart you have towards me. And, and I think that when we go through life, I think so much of life is really super, super simple, you guys. It's just about knowing who God is and knowing who we are. We're going to see that in today's chapter. God is this awesome God, the maker, the maintainer. And uh, he's the one watching over your life. And we are, in one sense, we're, we're sinners, but we are loved by him. And when we begin to just kind of put everything together the way that it should be, you're going to see how it falls into place. Here in Job chapter 38, uh, notice what we read as God now begins to speak in this dialogue it says, after 35 chapters of debate, the first two chapters were dilemma, finally God enters the dialogue. And it says in verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and, and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. 
I will question you and you shall answer me. You know, it's pretty interesting to me now after all this time that the Lord answers Job out of the whirlwind. I think we actually have a picture of what a whirlwind might look like. I'm not sure if we do or not. Look at this, um, I don't know if you can see it, this, this tempest, this storm. Any of you guys ever been in anything like that? Like a, you know, a tornado or something like that? Any of you guys ever seen that? I mean, God here, he answers Job out of the, the whirlwind. And it's interesting, you know, some believe that's why Elihu in the previous chapter began to bring up the clouds and the winds and, and the rain and the thunder and the lightning. If you remember, we studied that last time because the storm was stirring and, and then, bam, you know, God spoke out of the storm. You know, I have no doubt if you, if you listen to thunder, man, I have no doubt when God began to speak that it was awesome uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to find out. Who knows, maybe one day we're going to go to heaven, we're going to be able to see this whole thing. I'll bet you almost anything that they were all on their knees, just on their face as God began to speak. It wasn't a gentle, still, small voice like we read sometimes in the Bible. No, this is God speaking out of the storm. You know, I'll bet most of you know this isn't the only time that God speaks out of a storm. Back in Exodus 19.20, you guys remember that story when he gave the Ten Commandments and, and the whole mountain was shaking and it was like the smoke and the people were so afraid. You know, when God speaks out of a storm, I think it's a good thing for us because what it does is it strikes fear into our hearts. I mean, a lot of times my problem is, you know, I just forget that he's God and I'm not. You know, a healthy fear of God is good, and it goes a long way. You know, we've been going through Job, and basically none of these guys were exhibiting that healthy fear. It was awful the way that they were so wrong to judge Job, the servant of God, and it was so wrong for Job to judge God. I mean, it was really, you know, bad what they were doing. They lacked the fear of God, so what happens is God shows up in a storm, and he does that at times in our life, you guys. He kind of shows up and he speaks in a storm, in a trial, in a tempest. And what he wants to do in our life is rekindle a healthy fear of him in our hearts. Can I ask you a question? I mean, do you have a healthy fear of God? I mean, not, not one where, you know, he's mean, he's just waiting for you to make the slightest mistake so that he can, you know, step on you like a bug. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a loving father who loves you so much that he will discipline you if you're engaged in an activity that will be damaging to yourself or, or to your loved ones. That's the God that we serve. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 9.10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, I encourage you to have a healthy fear of God. That's what keeps me from drinking and drugs and, you know, the sexual life, you know, prior to when I was a Christian, the crazy things that I do. That's what keeps me from speaking down on my children or mistreating my wife is because I know that God sees everything I do and he knows every thought I think. That's what keeps me from, you know, you see the girl on the commercial or in the mall or whatever it might be and you want to really check her out. I can't, man, because I fear God. And so, you know, sometimes we forget, 
And so God shows up in a storm, and he speaks like thunder and a trial and a tempest in that season of life. And it's a good place for us to be, you know. I'm sure you guys know that that's basically what's wrong with our world today is, you know, they don't have the fear of God. Romans 3.18, it says, you know, that, that, that there is no fear of God before their eyes. And that's why they're doing what they do. I mean, there was a time when we wouldn't do the things that we do in the darkest alleys. In the darkest alleys, we wouldn't do some of the things. But now they're strutting down Main Street. And so God's coming. You know, we easily forget our maker and our maintainer. We forget in whose presence we speak. Even Job forgot and complained and questioned God. But now what happens is the tables are going to be turned and God is going to question him. You know, we read here, notice again, if you would, look at verse 2. Job said, um, God said, who is this who darkens counsel? I mean, Job was darkening counsel. He was hiding and, and thereby hindering the truth about God, about life, about the things that should be done. I mean, you got somebody going through a difficult situation and someone comes over there and rather than bringing the truth to the situation, they just start complaining or you know, saying things that are contrary to Scripture. What that is, is, is darkening counsel. And so what the Lord does is tells Job to prepare himself. Notice again what we read right there. It says, uh, Job, uh, prepare yourself like a man. You know, brace yourself. Literally in the, in the Hebrew language, it means gird up your loins and tuck your outer robe-like garment into your sash belt as a man does before taking on a strenuous task such as fighting a battle. Get ready, Job. Here it comes. And we read in verse 4, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To, to what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. You know, God here, he compares the creation of the earth to like the construction of a building and he reveals it as something, you know, that he did, that he determined, that he measured. You know, I don't know if you ever think about just the making of the world. I mean, it's a pretty awesome world that we live in. And, and Job says, you know, God says to Job, who's just complaining and questioning all the things that God is doing, God says, where were you? Where were you when I laid the foundation? You know, Job, let me ask you that question. Where were you when I did that? And the answer is he didn't exist. And Job had no clue regarding really the construction of the cosmos. And you know, when you look around the billions of galaxies really uh, spoken into existence by the power of God's word, I mean, it's amazing. This planet privileged is suspended in space. It's held up by him. You know, you guys know how fast the world is spinning? A, a thousand miles an hour. And as it's traveling around the sun, it's traveling 67,000 miles an hour. And did you know that our whole solar system is traveling in orbit in the Milky Way galaxy 490,000 miles per hour? 
You thought your car was fast, huh? <laughs> I mean, you guys, we're spinning 1,000 miles an hour. We're, we're traveling 67,000 miles an hour. The whole thing is going 490,000 miles an hour. God made everything by the power of his word. God. We forget him. You know, God says, I, I set that up with tender, loving care. God says, I remember, I remember when this all started, you know, when he kind of, you know, I don't know how it was with God because he's outside of time, but he thinks back, you know, when I set it all in motion, I still remember the angels were singing and they were shouting for joy. Now, you read there in verse 7 about the morning stars and the sons of God. They're a reference to the angels who in the Bible are sometimes described as stars and sons. For example, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 2 and verse 4 in Job chapter 1, 6 and Job chapter 2 verse 1. So the stars and sometimes the sons of God, they were singing. I remember one time this guy said the angels don't sing. Yes, they do. <laughs> the Bible says that they were singing when God made everything, I wonder if they have a recording of it, you know? The angels shouting for joy. God said, I made all this. You know, prior to the fall, the angels sang and shouted when God made everything, the foundations of the earth. And, and then there's the waters of the earth. Uh, look what we read next in verse 8. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds, its garments, and thick darkness, its swaddling band. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors. When I said, thus far you may come, but no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. You know, I love the, the language of the Lord as he's just sharing these things. Number one, the, the foundations of the earth. I'm holding it up. And then number two, the waters of the earth. You know, the language here is so cool, how God built the earth and how the waters were kind of birthed. That's what we read there in verse 8. And so we believe it's probable that, I don't know for sure how it all works, because we know there was a canopy around the earth when God first made it. But it's probable that at one time the entire earth was covered with water and then eventually was separated into sections. Uh, for example, and if you read in Genesis 1 verse 2, it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then in Genesis chapter 1 verse 9, it says, And then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And so it was. And so the Lord asked Job, Where were you when I made the earth? And where were you when I started limiting the waters and, you know, putting the place, things in place, the oceans, man, so beautiful with all their waves. How many of you guys like going to the beach? Just out of curiosity, man. Beautiful, huh? I could just sit there on the sand and watch the waves coming in, the sunset. I mean, it's just beautiful. I mean, they were given shores, uh, shores by God, tides by the Lord. And then there's the great lakes of the world and the rivers and the springs and the waters, even some under the knee, underneath the earth. It's all limited by the Lord. He, he asked Job, who, who did all this? Who shut in the sea? For us, I know we get busy, man. I know life is busy, but it's good every once in a while just to stop and to pause and to remember who made all this. 
You know, the other day we were at McDonald's because uh, Henry wanted to go there. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. I actually wanted to go there because we want to go and we want to hand out the invites for when Ryan comes next week. And I pray you guys all come and I pray that you, you know, just pray for that night that God does a great work. And so we were there and I was talking to three high school kids and it was just so cool. I said, man, can I ask you a couple of questions? And I said, please don't tell me what you think I want to hear. You know, give give me some honest answers, you know? And so one was a Christian, one was an agnostic, and one was an atheist. She told me, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And I said, okay, you know, well, let me just ask you, and we're just talking. I'm not trying in any way, you know, to be derogatory, but just making them think, like, like, where did everything come from? You know, do you believe that matter is eternal? Because then she asked, well, where did God come from? And I said, well, you got two options. Either matter, mindless matter, is eternal, or there's a God who's eternal. And then I showed her my phone, and I said, hey, this phone right here, do you think it could happen by accident, by random chance, over billions of years? Here's the iPhone. No way. You look at that, and you know there's a maker. And then I told her, I said, sweetheart, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eye is amazing. Your ears, your heart, your life, you are amazing. You are not an accident. You were made by God. I mean, every once in a while, it's just so good to be able to just remember our maker. And you know what's so cool? Very rarely do you see this, but that young high school girl right there immediately she changed her mind. She said, you know what? That makes sense. And I know it was the Holy Spirit. You know, but sometimes we just don't think. We go through life. We forget there is a God who made everything. He laid the foundations of the earth, and he put the waters with their limitations. And then in verse 12, notice what it says. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? This is God asking Job, have you done that and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a sea and stands out like a garment from the wicked. Their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken. I mean, I don't know, it sounds kind of like I don't know, commanding the morning. What do you mean commanding the morning, you know? Hey, Job, in, in your life, just out of curiosity, in your resume, have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? I tell you what, and I've told you guys this before, I wake up, uh, you know, I can probably say every morning, and I get on my knees, eventually I make my way out to the guitar, I mean to the uh, g garage, um, <laughs> after I get a cup of coffee, which I might need now, but you know, and I always say, Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you that the sun is rising. Even when it's dark, thank you, Lord. God asked Job, have you ever commanded the, the morning? I mean, we think we're all that because we command, you know, Siri, Siri, you know, <laughs> call my wife. And she does, you know. <laughs> you know, but imagine creating and commanding the sun. 
Because that's really, at the end of the day, that's what the morning is. Uh, as the sun, as it's rising, the earth is spinning. Imagine commanding the sun. You guys know how big the sun is? 865,000 miles wide. The sun is so big that you could fit 1.3 million earths inside of it. Think about that. You know, and, and when God made it, it, it seemed so simple for him. He just said, let there be light. In Genesis chapter 1, then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he just made them. And then he made the stars. It kind of says that as a side note there in Genesis 1 verse 16. And you know, he commands the morning. I, I love the 24-hour cycles, the morning and evening, beautiful. And at the same time, in looking at this passage right here, it's interesting we see that God actually knows what we're going to do with our, our free will, what we tend to do in the night. Uh, you guys know that bad things happen in the dark for the most part, right? And so the Lord references the wicked there in verse 13 and 15, and they usually work their wickedness at night. And so we're going to come back to this, but this is going to be important. Um, the New Living Translation puts this section this way. It says, Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth? To bring an end to the night's wickedness. That's what God is asking Job. And as we start looking a little deeper, we're going to see something that God is not only telling Job about the way he made the world, generally speaking, but the way that he runs the world in a very personal way. You know, we're going to see when all this ends that God doesn't give Job his day in court, per se. And that's what Job wanted. As Job was a good guy, he was going through hard times, he wanted to question God. He wanted to take God to court. He doesn't really get that day, but God just makes him think, and that's all. I think for me, really, uh, for me to, to change, for me to be the man that he wants me to be, he wants me to be beautiful, he wants me to be usable, for me to be the man that I need to be, I need to know who he is. And that's all. He just wants to make him think, Job, do you know who I am? I'm the maker, the maintainer. Job, don't judge me. Trust me. That's what he wants to bring him to. He says, if you do, you'll rediscover the firm foundation for your life. Again, we're talking about earth's foundation, and that's, that's earth, but no, your foundation. I'll, I'll put you on a rock. You're not going to sink anymore. You're going to stand. I'll, I'll give you a firm foundation, and if you do, trust me, you'll realize that even though the stormy seas of life are crazy, I want you to know this, man, that I limit them. Just like I limit the oceans, I limit them in your life. I will never give you more than you can bear. If you remember me, you'll see. I limited the sea. I got this. Whatever the crazy thing that's going on in your life, God is saying, I got this. I'm with you. Job, I know there are those times of darkness, you know, but you got to know that it has its purpose. And you got to trust me. Just like the, I command the morning, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 30, verse 5. You know, God was making Job a better man, and God would use Job's life to make us better men and women. 
And that's what's going on here. Here we are. I mean, how many years later? You know, some say 4,000, 5,000 years later. And God is going to use Job in your life. You will be a different man, a different woman. And God will use you to change someone else's life. You know, Job had forgotten when he had once confessed. You know, Job 23.10, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. You know, and that's what's going on in some of our lives. You know, we're being tested. We're being tried in the fire because God is purifying us, right? I mean, we get purified through the hard times. We get purified through the fire. And that's where he was. And I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but whatever the bad thing is, God didn't author it per se, but he allowed it. He didn't cause it, but he controls it. He knows the time and he knows the temperature, right, when it comes to the fire. Like, for example, how many of you here like to bake? Out of curiosity. Yeah, you should do it more often, huh? And bring them on Thursday nights, man. You know, but um, what are the two most common questions when it comes to baking? What's the two most common questions? How hot and how long? All right, you have to look it up. How hot and how long? You know, cookies, they take about 10 minutes, right? About 350. That's what I heard anyways. <laughs> how about a turkey? How long does a turkey take? You know, six hours, four hours, I'm not sure. So it's a question, are you a cookie or a turkey? You know, that's kind of the way it works, man. You know, how long, Lord, how long? He knows how long. He knows how long. Not only you, but others, what they need. He knows how hot. He has his hand on all those things. You know, the question is, which one am I? I remember one time a brother was going through a tough time in his life, and God was trying to get his attention. And, you know, but, but he wasn't, like, surrendering to the Lord. And so he started asking God, how long, God? How long, God? Until I finally just spoke up. I said, I think God's asking you the same question. How long? How long are you going to be a cookie or a turkey? I mean, are you going to, are you going to come now? I mean, it's, you know, it's the Lord working in our life. Hopefully we will surrender to his love. He made the earth. He limits the sea. He commands the sun. And, and so much more. Look at verse 16. Have you entered the springs of the sea or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Hmm. Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breath of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light and darkness? Where is its place? That you may take it to its territory, that you may know the path to its home. Do you know it because you were born then or because the number of your days is great? I mean, the Lord is just asking Job a series of questions. I heard uh, between the two chapters, he asks him 77 questions. Job can't answer any of them. Job, have you ever plunged the depths of the sea? Or how about the gates of death? Have you ever gone through those gates on the other side of time? Do you know what's there? The breath of the earth, the people of the earth, the light, the dark, the good and the bad, the life and the death. We need to know that God takes all these things into consideration as he runs the world. You know, verse 21 is kind of funny. You know, Job, you know these things, right? I mean, you know, right? Because you were around then, right? Or you've been around a long time. How old are you again? Sometimes our kids, man, they, they think they know, and a lot of times they don't. 
That's us. That's how we are with God. What's up, God? I don't get this. I don't understand. You know, and God is doing a good work. Look at verse 22. Have you entered the treasury of snow or have you seen the treasury of hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? By, by what way is light diffused or the east wind scattered over the earth? Who has divided a channel for the overflowing water or a path for the thunderbolt to cause it to rain on a land where there is no one, a wilderness in which there is no man, to satisfy the desolate waste and cause to spring forth the growth of tender grass? Has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice and the frost of heaven? Who gives it birth? The waters harden like stone, and the surface of the deep is frozen. I mean, this, again, Job, do you know these things? Do you know the snow, the, the treasury of snow? Um, so beautiful, huh? Have you guys ever seen it fall? And you guys know that no, not, not two snowflakes are alike. I mean, they're all unique. If you were to look at them, like, really, really close, God does all those things, and and hail, late, we've been experiencing even some hail here recently, huh? But it's interesting how the Lord just takes all these things, and, uh, and one of the things the Lord talks about right here is how God has reserved hail for the time of trouble, the day of judgment. Revelation chapter 8, verse 7, it talks about during the tribulation period that there's going to be hail coming down. Revelation eleven nineteen, there's going to be hail. And it's kind of like the Lord just saying, hey, Job, you know, I know the snow and hail, it's all there reserved for the day of judgment. Revelation 16, 21 says there was a terrible hailstorm and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. That's the tribulation period. And, and what we're seeing here is that God, he's got it all covered. You know, the, the, the foundation of your life. You know, the limitation of your life. Even the justification of your life. But Lord, do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they did to her? You know, my kid, whatever the situation is. My friend, don't worry. One day, every wrong will be made right and justice will be served. You want to know why? Because God has hailstones. Nothing gets past him. You can trust him. You don't have to worry, Lord, all the wrongs in the world. Lord, where are you? Don't worry. He'll show up. He showed up on the cross where he bore our sins and he took our punishment for us. And justice and grace will be served. You know, I just encourage you to know these things, that we can trust God. He's sovereign. He's responsible for, you know, we read right here, the diffusion of light, the east wind, the channels of water, the paths of the thunderbolts, rain in those remote locations to maintain God's majestic creation. And if you ever get a chance, I encourage you, study the balance of nature. It's amazing. It really is. And even how we read about the drops of dew there in verse 28, we read about ice, we read about icebergs, and we go from the solar you know, to the polar, man, the ice trays, the ice caps, all of it is in God's hands. 
and it's even more than our planet or our sun or even our solar system. Look at verse 31, if you would. Can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Maseroth in its season or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? Do you know the ordinances of the heaven? Can you set their dominion over the earth? I mean, here, Joe is reintroduced to the stars and the constellations, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing these right, but you know, the stars, uh, he mentions uh, Pleiades or whatever. I think we have a picture of this. It's amazing. You know, the Lord says, do you, do you know about this thing that, I, that I'm taking care of called Pleiades? This is an, an open star cluster, uh, and it has these hot B-type stars located in the constellation of Taurus. And it's among the nearest stars uh, to the Earth or star clusters, and uh, it's one of the ones that are probably most obvious to the naked eye in the night sky. And isn't it beautiful? I mean, when you look at it, uh, it's really hot blue, and these stars are like some of the brightest stars out there. And what you see around here, it kind of looks a little hazy. You know, at first they thought that when the stars were formed that it was a, a kind of a reaction from the formation. But what we find is that these stars are actually going through like a dust storm in, in, in space. And so that's where they're passing. You know, God mentions Pleiades. He mentions Orion. And notice again what we read right here. He says, uh, um, can you bind the cluster of Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? I mean, God holds them together and God's in control, right? Uh, Orion is another prominent constellation located on what they call the celestial equator and it's visible throughout the world. It's one of the most conspicuous and recognizable constellations in the night sky. I should probably have Sean come up here and share this part because he works for JPL, you know. But the, those three stars right there, I don't know if you can see them, it's called Orion's Belt, you know. And it looks like they're like side by side, but they're actually, you know, so far away from each other. But it's interesting when you look at these stars right here, one is 800 light years away. So if you travel 186,000 miles per second, it takes you 800 years to get there, right? 100 times more brighter than the sun. And one of these stars is actually 375,000 times brighter than our sun. God, he just spoke it into existence. If, if, if only we would come to this place where we understand who he is, and who we are. Lord, I, I know I'm not much. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. But I also know that I'm loved by you. See, that's what, that's what God is trying to share with Job. I mean, he points out that Job had nothing to do with holding these things together. And there's nothing he could do to loosen them. Isaiah 40, verse 26, it says, Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. You see, we close in verse 34. It says, Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that an abundance of water may cover you? 
Can you send out lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the mind or who has given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds by wisdom or who can pour out the bottles of heaven when the dust hardens in clumps and the clods cling together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions? When they crouch in their dens or lurk in their lairs to lie in wait, who provides the food for the raven when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? And, and real quick, I think it's cool the way that this ends. Part of me was going to not do the animal part because he's going to get into a lot of animals next chapter. And I thought, well, maybe I should keep the animals together. But here's it's such a cool thing. And I, I just want to try to close with this and hopefully you guys can understand what's going on in this, you know, crazy mind right here. You know, when you look at how God is in control, just by his voice, the clouds, the rain, the lightning, I mean, how God is the one that puts wisdom in the mind and understanding in the heart. And then he says, who feeds the lions? And right away he gets into the lions. And who feeds the, the ravens, the young ravens? And, you know, here's something that, that is so cool. Because when it comes to life as a Christian, you know, we're, we're not like the stars per se. I mean, we are to shine, but those are not like, you know, like us. What, what happens is this. God, God feeds the lions, right? And did you guys know lions can eat, eat up to 66 pounds of meat a day? I mean, they tend to average 10 to 15 pounds of meat every day. So God feeds them. But do they, do they do anything? They go hunting, right? And then there's the ravens. There's the little ravens. They say that sometimes the mom raven doesn't feed the little ravens. They kind of ignore them. And so you're thinking, well, well how, does, how, do they get, how do they get fed? God takes care of them. And so, but here's the thing, though. Have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to give your kid medicine and they wouldn't take it, you know? And then what do you do? You hit them upside the head, right? <laughs> no. Have you ever heard that saying, you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? Here's the thing, and this is how we'll close. You know, God is God. I mean, he, he made everything. He maintained everything. And he'll provide what's necessary for you to be nourished in him. But you got to do your part. Like the lion, he doesn't just kick back. I mean, he goes hunting, you know, like the, the raven. And although he might not be able to run and bite and claw like the lion, he can open his mouth. Maybe you're here today and you got nothing. You got nothing. Nothing. But let me ask you a question. Can you open your heart? Right here, right now, can you open your heart and just say, God, I need you. I'm like this little raven right here, man, wandering around. That's what it says right there. It's lost. Lord, would you feed me? Lord, would you nourish me? Lord, would you change me? Lord, would you meet me here? I can't even pick up my feet, God. I feel like I'm dead. My heart is hard. But God, right here, right now, I surrender to you. My prayer is that, man, wherever we're at, man, whether we've been a Christian for a long time or, man, it's our first time here, 
My prayer is that all of us would come to that place of understanding who God is and who we are, knowing that we're sinners in need of a Savior, but knowing that we're loved and we're created in His image. And as we make that decision to follow Him, you watch, you watch, you guys. God will do miracles in your life. Any of you want a miracle? Any of you need a miracle? I know I do. I was singing this song earlier. Lord, I want to be beautiful. Lord, I want to be usable. That's what I want.